Engaging Leader, Episode 183, Using the Fog Behavioral Model to Drive Change, featuring Jamie Barnes. Brought to you by the team at Workforce Communication. Find out more at WorkforceCommunication.com. Leadership inspire trust, passion, and action? Welcome to the Engaging Leader Podcast with Jesse Leahy, consultant, writer, and speaker. Jesse has helped executives engage hundreds of thousands of people. Join us now for principles to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Welcome to the show, Engagers. When developing a communication strategy to drive change within an organization, We use various models and frameworks to help ensure we create a strategy that actually works. The FOG behavioral model is a powerful framework for driving change. Today we're going to talk about what the FOG behavioral model is and how it applies to leadership and workforce communication. And I have a fantastic guest joining us today to talk about this topic. Jamie Barnes is my colleague at Workforce Communication, and she studied behavior change with BJ Fogg himself. She's very passionate about taking proven practices learned from communication experts and using them to develop and implement real-world, real-life strategies. And so this is going to be a fun conversation with lots of practical tips for leaders who want to drive change in your organization. Jamie Barnes, welcome to Engaging Leader. Hi, Jesse. For our listeners who just listened to our previous two episodes, 181 and 182, which featured Lori Barnes, one of my colleagues from Workforce, Jamie Barnes is another colleague from Workforce, but you guys are not sisters, are you? We are not. (laughs) Worked together many years, um, but no relation whatsoever. That's correct. So, Jamie, tell us who BJ Fogg is, uh, why he's important in the world, and why people like you and I are geeked up about him. Yeah, he's one of my favorites. He runs the Persuasion Lab out of Stanford. He is one of the biggest influences on modern UX design. Hmm. He, for example, taught the Pinterest guys and really developed the models that helped dictate how our behavior, what our behavior is as we interact with apps, modern apps, modern UX design. So he went down the path of further, he continues to study behavior, behavior change. Um, And a few years ago, I got to go out to California and uh, study with him at his behavior design boot camp. And it felt like I was being let in on like some really big secret about communications and behavior change that I could then apply to my project. So I just have to comment on the Pinterest thing because, first of all, I do not understand Pinterest. I'm not, I have a Pinterest account. I know it's a really big deal. Um, and, but it's hugely influential. The, the people who use it use it a ton, men and women. And I have also seen data that shows they don't just like post pictures and look at pictures, they buy stuff. So the BJ Fogg's influence on the design of Pinterest was a really big deal, not just on the evolution of social media, but how social media became monetized. 
Yeah, absolutely. And much like Stanford itself, he kind of has always had one foot in academia and another foot in business culture. And so one kind of informs the other. So as he's thinking about behaviors and design, um, it's not only the academic approach, but then how does that serve the business community? Well, let's talk a little bit about the model. So he, you know, he, 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 he helped influence the, the design of UX, of us, the user experience. And that was about, underlying that was behavior change because he's a behavior scientist. And then he created this fog behavioral model, which communication and leadership geeks like you and I um, have found it helpful in leading change and communicating change. So let's talk a little bit about what the model looks like. Yeah, it's so simple. And when you hear it, you can't help but think, well, well, duh, that makes sense. But he's actually marked the fact. So he put it into a simple equation of um, B equals MAP, which is um, behavior happens when motivation, ability and a prompt come together at the same time. And so he has a really cool X, Y axis that kind of shows where each comes into play. But it helps you think about um, how motivated your audience is to um, take on your initiative and what their ability is. For example, someone who's more motivated is going to be able to take on a more complicated tax, task. Someone who's less motivated it, they need a simpler task. So it's just, it helps you really think about not just your employee population, but the different stakeholders you're trying to work, work with and what change you're trying to get. So the easiest way for people to put this behavior model, in, I, for most people to get their grasp of this is to think about like health improvement. And mm -hmm. so you take somebody like me and for mo most people would say, so like I've always struggled with my weight. Um, and on the motivation side, I've always, I've, I've not lacked for motivation to, to get physical exercise. I've always been, that's been pretty easy for me, but the eating right has not been. And so um, how motivated, you know, if I thought that the key to me fixing my weight issue was to start getting a half hour or an hour exercise most days of the week, that's something I've been doing since I was a teenager. I've always um, been relatively consistent with that, but you know, my my eating was that was not always healthy, and so the ability maybe wasn't wasn't really there either um, to to eat healthy when you've programmed your body your whole life to have too much carbs and sugar, for example. So I remember one of my health coaches, um, I don't know eight years ago said, can you just, when you're traveling, one of the issues was when I was traveling was when my diets would just, my nutrition program would just go out the window. And she said, can you just focus on having a salad at every meal? Like just take this little baby step, a tiny step, eat salad. And so even though I was not hugely motivated, that, nor did I have great ability because I was like addicted to carbs and sugar. I'm like, well, that seemed like a small step. She's not telling me don't eat the carbs and sugar. She's just saying, add a salad. And it really was a great little baby step toward what has been a much more healthy way to live for the last several years. So it's funny that you talk about that example. So Tiny Habits is DJ Fogg. And actually a lot of people have heard of Tiny Habits. Um, one step at a time leads to big change. But what's funny is in um, when BJ Fogg would say it would take it even down to simpler. He would say at every meal, 
have a carrot Mm -hmm. or at every meal have, you know, a carrot and a piece of broccoli. And as that becomes habitual, then you increase it. So, and I think that's a good way to think about it with employees too. Like what you think is simple. Like when you said salad at every meal, (laughs) that came off to me. Wow, that's really hard. Mm. Whereas if, because BJ Fogg is the example of even someone who wants to be better at flossing their teeth. He says every night, get out the floss. Do that for a week. In week two, floss one tooth. Mm. Okay, well, I can floss one tooth. <laughs> and so there's a couple things at play there in that sometimes it's like, well, I already have the floss out. I'll go ahead and floss some other teeth. Or you just feel like a fool and you floss other teeth. Or it really <laughs> is slowly developing that habit. Okay, every night I'm just getting the container out. Every night I'm flossing one tooth. Okay, a week later I'm flossing two teeth. He actually gives, my favorite example is he started doing um, two push-ups every time he finished using the washroom. And then after that became easy, it was uh, five push-ups. Then it was eight. He was up to 100 push-ups a day. Then he changed to kettlebells. And by the time I met him, he had lost 20 pounds. He was back at his college weight. He had increased his upper arm strength, all because he started with just two push-ups every time he used the washroom, which takes me to another thing is you have to have a trigger. So the one can, thing- Can I just ask you one question there? Yeah. When you say washroom, is that like your polite euphemism for bathroom? <laughs> yeah. So like he goes, to the, he goes to the toilet, he's got to do push-ups? Yes. Well, he works from home. That's a that's an important clarification. He okay. works from home, so he's not doing push-ups on the public washroom floor. Um, <laughs> I assume he can yeah. wait till after he goes to the bathroom before he has to do the push-ups, right? Yes. So okay. his trigger is he uses the bathroom. I tried it uh, uh-huh. one summer with water. Every time I used the washroom, I had uh, my eight ounces of water because you have to attach it to a trigger. So no action is going to happen without a prompt that makes it happen to remind you to do it. So you have to have the trigger and then have a simple action. I wanted to drink more water one summer. So eight ounces every time I finished using the washroom. And it works as long as you have to attach it to a prompt. All right. So my prompt is every time someone says water, I have to drink from my water bottle. I, just, <laughs> I had to do it right now. <laughs> so so the, so the model is B equals M plus A plus P. Motivation. How motivated are you? And so uh, if you're highly motivated, you have a greater capacity. Um, if you're lower motivated, you're going to need higher ability or higher prompt. Uh, if your ability um, is is less then you're going to need if it's a difficult behavior for you you're going to need more and then you got to have this prompt or you know what what's going to trigger the action that you want mm-hmm. exactly so the so so in this in that example the prompt was going going to the bathroom it just reminded him i'm going to do push a couple push-ups correct yeah so that yeah. okay that seems simple and in designing communications you know or in designing behavior change you know, he would say, uh, 
always start with the prompt. That's the most measurable and actionable thing. So how are you going to prompt prompt employees to do X? And then you start um, playing with the ability and motivators based on um, different variables within your project and organization. Let's talk about building and communication strategy. Mm-hmm. You'd want to really specifically define the behavior you're trying to get. Uh, Fog says make it crispy, crispify it. So you want to know exactly who is doing what behavior, when, and for how long, because that also dictates how you go about your communication strategy. So you start with your really uh, crispy behavior, and um, then you need to narrow it down. Because a lot of times we talk about we want to engage employees or we want, you know, retention. Well, those are really abstract terms. So you need to be able to um, define what behaviors, what exact behaviors are going to lead to those results. And so once you've mapped all of, all of your, you know, specific and simple, um, you have to roll out what are the small steps that are going to help? What are the triggers that are going to help, uh, uh, employees get there. So I like the, the focus on behaviors, crispy behaviors. So usually as leaders, we've, we've trained ourselves to think about outcomes and results. And that is true that that is where we, what's the point of all this? There's no point in communicating if you don't have an outcome in mind, but that's not really necessarily what you're communicating or, or, or what is specific in your strategy. So you need to move past just thinking about the results and get really clear on what are the behaviors that need to happen to reach that result. Yeah, exactly. Because a lot of, a lot of people think that if they just document really thoroughly all of the information that employees need and then roll it out and hope for the best, employees can't process that. You have to approach a communication initiative, understanding the the psyche of change. And so who is, um, who is getting that information and how are they perceiving it? And, and what do they need to do to get to the ultimate uh, action behavior that you're wanting? But yeah, being thorough and and just dumping all your information out there is, um, is never going to get you the results you want. Yeah. So to be, so to be clear, I I like Fogg himself, he, he's got these five bad approaches. And his, his bad approach, number one, is present information and hope it leads to attitude change and then behavior change, <laughs> which I think a lot of us le- leaders would say, you know, guilty as charged, had a lot of, uh, that's very tempting for us to do. We have all this information and it, it convinced us. And so we feel like if we just put all that information out there, educate people really well, that it will lead to attitude change and then behavior change. And Fogg said that does not work. So instead, start with getting really specific about what is the specific behavior um, that needs to change. And then, as you said, make it crispy. State it really clearly so to make sure everyone understands this target behavior in the same way. Jimmy, what would be an example of a crispy behavior? So for example, if your company is working on kind of changing the performance review process and making it more consistent versus a once a year thing, um, you might set a goal like 80% of managers in accounting will have a five to 15 minute conversation with all of their employees by the end of the month. So we know 
we know who is expected to do what, how, when, how long it's going to last and the deadline. So everyone is on the same page about what the behavior uh, is needed. Okay, that's good. And, and then you may, in your communications, you, you, I'm sure would describe what that conversation looks like and um, make it simple at first. Um, so, so, so some things you would do to support that communication, but you, you've defined a, a clear behavior and a clear expectation, what it is, when it's going to happen. And it's kind of a baby step or it's a tiny step. Uh, you'd like them to have, maybe you'd like them to have performance conversations every week, you know, quick touch bases, coaching type conversations on a weekly basis with at least 80% of their employees or maybe all their employees, but you're just setting a, a smaller goal, like just in the next month just have at least one of these conversations with most of your employees. Yeah, exactly. And then it would be, you would want a communication plan. So then you have to look at the ability. So some managers are going to naturally be good at this, while others might feel more timid for one reason or another, or maybe be too busy, um, or just maybe not have the skill set to execute it. And so you want to think about the ability of, of that stakeholder group and then give them the tools they need to execute it successfully. So um, at the same time, you also want to consider their motivation. You know, um, you know, BJ Fogg says that motivation, you know, it, it can often be the last thing that you'd address for success or behavior change. It can be nebulous and hard to measure, but <clears throat> I like to think about it more in terms of, you and Lori talked about key messages. I think early on, you can build the motivation into your initiative. Um, I think it's a great opportunity. Any change uh, change initiative is a great opportunity to have a conversation with employees and contribute to your culture. And so right from the beginning, you can say, we want to grow our people. This is a path we're going on as an organization. Here's how you're part of it. And really create the we around the initiative, which is kind of a built-in motivation from the beginning. And then every time you're rolling out any of the tools related to ability or any of the, the prompts related to the triggers, just make sure that those key messages are included. So you just kind of are building that motivation in and getting them on board with the initiative. Okay, so the, the FOG model, when building the communication strategy, you need to be specific about the behaviors. You need to um, make sure the behavior is easy and simple, especially in relationship to their motivation and ability. Um, and then you, we've, you've, we've talked a few times about prompts, uh, which are often called triggers, but prompt is, a, is sort of a, a nicer way of saying that. It, it sounds healthier, uh, more influencing, and less dangerous, less attacking, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so no behavior really happens without some kind of a prompt. And BJ Fogg teaches that your prompt needs to reach your audience at a time, at the right time, right? They need to be hitting them when they're feeling motivated and have the ability to act. So the bathroom uh, prompt was happening at a time when he really did have ability to do those push-ups. Mm -hmm. And uh, Fog calls that a hot trigger. Right. That's it. Because if you present a trigger when someone can't really do anything about it, for example, um, you know, we've had clients that um, put 
healthful food reminders right over the the salad bar, Mm. right over the sneeze guard, because it's right at that moment. You're not going to put that sign at the register. The person already is paying for their cheeseburger. So you've done no good. (laughs) But if you put that sign right above the salad, then that's when the person has the ability and they probably already have some innate motivation to act. So that would be a hot trigger. Whereas a more useless trigger would be putting your salad sign by the, by the register. Yeah. So, okay. Taking our example of the, the behavior for managers to have more of these performance coaching kind of conversations. Um, Let's say you've decided that one of the ways you're going to prompt managers is to send them all a text message. Um, well, you don't want to send that when they're home eating dinner. You want them to get the message when they're actually at a, at, at a good moment that they could go ahead and talk, pick out an employee today and go have a conversation with that employee today. Right. And actually, if it were me designing for that, I would actually include, I mean, it depends on the campaign, but... Um, you know, the text message maybe links out um, that here here are some topics you may want to discuss with your employees today, something that's kind of relevant to what that department is going through. So you can build on your prompt. So that also further engages. So it's not just, oh, remember to do your remember to do your review today. It's um, if you have a review scheduled today. Here are some hot topics that are, you know, you can talk about and and make it it interesting for everyone involved. So then you're kind of building motivation into your trigger. So prompts are really big. So Fogg's research shows that triggers are the the best place to begin to spark behavior Mm -hmm. change. And it's not a one time thing. So they need you need to provide repeated cues, provide them at the right time and in the right place where they have the ability and motivation to act. You know, it's not uncommon to get pushback from clients who are like, why are we repeating this via four different channels over the course of three months? Because the brain science behind it proves that that's what you need to get action, to get the behaviors you want. You know, think about your own behaviors. If you get, how many of us, oh gosh, I hope I'm not alone as I give out this example. How many of us, (laughs) get our reminder to make your dental preventive dental appointment postcard in the mail. And then they also have to send you another postcard in an email before you actually schedule that appointment or whatever that example is for you in your life. But think about yourself, how many times something needs to come across your field of vision before you actually act on it. Um, Or another thing, you know, I'll put, I'll put something in my Amazon cart and, and be like, Oh, maybe later. But then every time I'm ordering something else, oh, that, yeah, that thing in my Amazon cart, I might be interested in that. So even if it's not an automatic, like my dental appointment, if it's something that I'm feeling indecisive about, if it keeps getting put in front of me over and over again, I'm going to eventually make a decision about it. And I would say probably more often than not, I buy that thing and that's been in my cart for three months. So um, it is important and, and not just in one place. Like you can't just, I'm sure they know, you, it's open rates tell the story. You can't just send an email once a week. But, you know, I know we as communicators find interesting ways to give people these prompts. I've had clients who put floor, 
flings at vending machines, reminding of wellness issues, or clients that put open enrollment messages on the mirror in bathrooms, because it's an unexpected place, because the more the the more the brain connects with with that um, that trigger, the more likely it is to remember it and act on it later. So um, you have to have multiple channels and multiple vehicles and deliver the the prompts over time. And I know we often use a, it's just a rule of thumb is three at, at bare minimum. Make sure you're using three different communication channel channels. Prompt people at least three times, ideally in at least three different ways um, for maximum effect is what the data shows. Absolutely. Yeah. And spacing is important, too. That's another thing that's important. Um, You know, you're not going to have it boom, boom, boom one day after the next. You need to give time for it to to um, the interest to ebb and flow in between communications, too. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so so. When you're working on your communication strategy, we're going to take into account the the fog behavioral model, which is um, behavior happens with motivation plus ability plus prompt. And as you think about that, you start with the what get very clear on what the behavior you want to to accomplish, and communicate that um, specifically, and try to keep it simple. Keep the behavior change simple. Take tiny steps in relationship to people's motivation and ability, and then plan these prompts well. Be smart about the, the prompts. That's really kind of the beginning place is the, are those prompts. Absolutely, yeah. Jamie, we're coming to, our time, to the end of our time together today, and I think it's helpful just to point out to our listeners that the FOG behavior model is just one model that we use when creating a communication strategy. And it's almost like one lens that we approach the work. There's, there are other models that we use too, and we've talked about them in other episodes of this um, of the Engaging Leader podcast. And we'll put uh, I'll put a link in our show notes to some other models like our, our 5M communication strategy model and um, our tools for developing key messages, um, and our, uh, which is a message map, and our um, big little outcome scope, which is getting very clear on the outcome and results that you want. But uh, another model that we're going to be, you and I are going to talk about in the near future is AGES. Yeah, from the Neuroleadership Institute. That is a great model for figuring out how to get attention from your employees and all the noise that they're hearing every day. Uh, the AGES model can help your initiative really stand out. That'll be a fun conversation and a really important one. A lot of organizations out there struggle with catching employees' attention amid all, amidst all that noise. So we will look forward to that. Well, Jamie Barnes, it's been so fun to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Jesse. All right, Engagers, that wraps up this episode. We will provide links to BJ Fogg's Behavioral Model website, as well as his website on the Tiny Habits Method. And we'll provide a link to Jamie's LinkedIn profile and to our own website at workforcecommunication.com. You can find all that on the show notes for this episode, which is engagingleader.com forward slash 183 as in episode 183. This is a production of Workforce Communication. We're a team of consultants and creatives using the power of communication to help organizations enhance the well-being and performance of their people. 
My colleagues and I partner with midsize and large employers to attract top talent, fully engage employees, and achieve superior business results in several areas, including employer branding, talent management, wellness, benefits and compensation, business transformation, and more. Find us at workforcecommunication.com. Our thanks to Cecily Leahy, our producer, Tom Hitchcock, our programming director, James Marler, our sound engineer, JJ Leahy, our social media guru, Rick Tarrant, our announcer, and Max Brody, who composed our theme music. Until next time, remember, in the 21st century, the real movers and shakers aren't just leaders, they're engagers. Engagers.